0: Welcome to the Two Hip Podcast. This week's guest is a friend of mine from many years ago when we worked in the Philly Fringe Festival on a show I did uh, called Super Ego a few years ago in Philadelphia and um, has been involved in a bunch of theater, everything from Meat Man the musical to uh, Bloody Bloody Andrew Jackson and, and everything in between. Um, wonderful person Very wo- good actress But also just um, a genuine nice person Who I always felt like I got along with And I wanted to bring her onto the podcast So without further ado Emily Grovet. No, sorry Emily Grove is her real name Here's Emily Grove
1: Thank you my dear friend You did some research on me
0: Research, yes uh, And if by Googling I'm uh, l- uh, in l- research, yeah
1: you had to look really hard. Emily Grove is not an easy Google. So you <laughs> found some goodies. I love it.
0: And I didn't even get into your amazing uh, Weebly website.
1: Oh, thank goodness. Yeah, I was going to say I literally had like a dream the other night. I was like, I need to not be Emily Grove at Weebly like dot Weebly dot com. I was like, just buy the domain name, Emily. Just buy it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to that's on my to do list. So,
0: OK, that's on your to do list. Good. Well, yes, welcome. Hello. Thank you for being on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me. This is exciting.
0: Nice to talk to you again. It's been a little while.
1: Too too long,
0: my friend. I agree. I guess I'll just jump right in. Why don't you explain yourself? Explain yourself. The hostile segment where you explain you. Like you're on trial.
1: I love it. I love, uh, I love all your intros. They're fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, okay. So, I'm Emily Grove. Um, yeah, you, you covered uh, uh, some fun things I did recently. But yeah, I'm a theater artist. Um, I lived in Philadelphia for a couple years. Um, that is where uh, Danton and I met and did an amazing play called Super Ego.
0: I don't know about that.
1: It was <laughs> so fun. And uh, then I moved to Virginia and worked at Barter Theater for... Uh, about three years doing their um barter player apprenticeship program my peas are popping all over the place say that three times <laughs> fast and um also doing their encore company which was of alumni of that barter player apprenticeship program we did a an extra year there um in any case, so I was there for a couple years and then I moved to Greenville, South Carolina where I worked at the Greenville Theater um, for three, three, two, two-ish years um, out there, a part of their resident acting company. And now I'm in Dallas, Texas, uh, auditioning all the time. So that's kind of me <laughs> in a nutshell.
0: Awesome, thank you.
1: Yeah, you're uh, so welcome.
0: Yeah, I mean, I guess that's sort of the the thing with uh, being an actor or actress. um, You sort of have to follow the work.
1: Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, my partner grew up, um, well, was born in Dallas, and his family lived here for a while and were actors in town. And we were in South Carolina figuring out, okay, what are we going to do? Where do we want to move? And we were like, you know what? Dallas, Texas sounds beautiful. It is warm. It was like 48 degrees today
0: yeah you're probably one of the only places that was 48 degrees today. yeah
1: everywhere else is polar vortexing and we are having a great time so and and there's a lot of great theater here a lot of great work it's a really warm town um both physically and emotionally so yeah we're having <laughs> we're having a great time out here
0: and so uh, is bloody Buddy Jackson or is that still active or you just finished it? We,
1: that was my my last thing that I did in South Carolina before we left. So that was in May of 2018. So yeah, that was um, just a bit ago, but it was a ton of fun. Yeah. Um, do you know the play? Have you?
0: I'm sort of vaguely familiar with it, but yeah. why don't you explain it to yeah, the listeners, it's... the many, many listeners who d- might not know.
1: Bring it in, everybody. Um, yeah, so we're doing... So the play is about the life of Andrew Jackson, the president, and, um, like, what a, like, there's no, like, real, like, commentary about, like, that he's a horrible person, but it's pretty much, like, he's a horrible person. And right. <laughs> um, it's just, like, him living his life, uh, this this absurd rise of populism and how it eerily, kind of, it, it, it was written much before the current political situation. It was written, I think, in, like... I want to say like 2010, 2011, right. maybe 2012. And before,
0: so before Hamilton, when was Hamilton? I can't remember. Yeah, Somewhere Hamil- Hamilton just after
1: that. was in I think 2015. Right. So it was like pre-Hamilton, pre like our 45th president. Um, but it had very eerie like oh, oh, this is how like a president, like a celebrity president could come to fruition which was like Mm -hmm. so weird so (laughs) weird doing that play after yeah it's like idiocracy
0: it's kind of a premonition
1: yeah yeah it was very odd um but a very cool play to work on um we had a lot of um uh, yeah i wouldn't say maybe a lot of people of color in the cast we had um But we definitely had um, black actors and um, Latinx people working on the play. So that was really exciting Um, because when the play was on Broadway, it did not have a lot of diversity. It had, I think, one person of color in the play. So just really, I mean, and it's a play about like Andrew Jackson's relationship with native peoples uh and like, slaughtering them so yeah you
0: would want actual diversity yeah <laughs> probably a uh, good thing to have yeah
1: so th- that was really nice being able to work on on that play and we were working with andrew scoville who was the um assistant director of the broadway production so it was like so cool working with him he had just been with a piece for so long um so yeah it was a beautiful time
0: thank you thank you <laughs> before we like <laughs> Before we dive too deep into into conversation, I always like to um, go into a moment of the two hypocrisy. Two hypocrisy, like the recapture for authenticity, meant to be easy on humans, hard on hipster bots. When when did you feel like you were tested in your authenticity as as a person? And it could be years ago, it could be yesterday.
1: Hmm. Okay. When did I feel tested in my hypocrisy,
0: or or when were you being a hypocrite yourself? Or yeah, I mean, I guess tested in my
1: tested in my authenticity, i.e., revealing myself as a hypocrite. Um, I will say I have I have a funny instance that go for it. I am a uh, well, a a vegan, and I eat predominantly raw food. Um, So I eat, like, raw most of the day, and if I'm undercarbed, like, a day like today, I'll have, like, these sweet little Dr. McDougal's vegan ramen noodles that I'm nomming on right now. (laughs) But I hate raisins, and so any time, like, any time, like, raisins come up, like, and it's not just like a, oh, I don't like them, it's like a vehement, I want to like if raisins were in like a, a a physical body i would want to choke them like i do not like <laughs> that's a raisins. lot of hatred for it's a so raisin. it's so a of, of violent hatred <laughs> raisins um and so people find that kind of odd i think
0: okay i appreciate that
1: i will say at like opening night parties or any kind of like large get together people think like oh you're an actor you are must be very like schmoozy and around people and I am exceedingly not that. Like I get very introverted and I'm like, oh my gosh, mm. I have to interact with people. What, are, what do I say? What do I do? Especially if it's a play. Like I did Mary Poppins um, a few years ago in, in Greenville, South Carolina. And everybody at the opening night party was like, "Oh, we want to talk to you about things," which is like makes sense. And like short people are around, and they're just like, "Oh my gosh, Mary Poppins!" They want to like chat, and I'm like, short I'm, people, yeah. And I'm cool with the short people. Like I can can talk to them. I actually, I think maybe now it took a while, but I can talk to short people now more than I can talk to like tall uh to tall adult people so you can't talk
0: to me but you can talk to I can't kids. talk
1: to you yeah bring the yeah. kids in get off the mic bring in the short people
0: I'm gonna wake them up right now
1: wake them up right oh are they napping
0: <laughs> there's yeah well they're sleeping it's yeah. called
1: the great nap
0: the time zone is it, the difference is so big that whole hour it's like really of throwing everything off
1: my mind is blown <laughs> I was like oh of course it's nine o'clock your children should be in bed <laughs> you were a good parent, uh, but yeah, I think that like extrovert, introvert thing—that extrovert expectation of being an actor—and in and confronted with my true, I want to be at home, uh, n- not talking with anyone. Comes out. Yeah, I understand. Comes out a lot. Um, yeah, I don't know that I have a an exact moment.
0: No, that I think that's actually a really good a good answer. It doesn't have to necessarily be a moment. It's a pretty open-ended okay. question. It's but I think I love it. those two the, the two answers you gave I think address it. Do <laughs> you I pass, pass the test, yes.
1: <laughs> I would say, what happens when someone doesn't pass? Do you kick them off the podcast, like no more.
0: Yeah, or then it just turns around where I just like grill them. They're just like a hostage on the podcast at that point. Perfect.
1: Yeah. I cannot I wait for that. I have a
0: negative set of questions. Like as a, as a backup for every guest, like, oh, just to oh, tear them apart.
1: The hipster questions now. Got it.
0: Exactly. You're a hipster. Yeah, I have to ask fake questions now. I love it. Fake fake news. Fake everything. Ooh. Uh, <laughs> great. I, you. brought up a lot of things as you were going there. So the the one one of the big things is, as, as an actor or actress. Um, acting person yeah you can call (laughs) me an actor
1: that's totally cool i view that as a gender gender neutral term it sort
0: of is yeah yeah um i I feel like acting is a a role that inherently you're both being authentic and inauthentic like right at the same time and the better you do both of those things means you're a good actor which is kind of like a weird thing to be in
1: yeah my yeah, this is a great question because a lot of people are like, oh, you must be a really good liar. You must be really good at like <laughs> fooling people. I bet you can like pull the wool over people's eyes. And my <laughs> yeah, my, my one of my mentors, John Hardy, um, he is very closely related to the barter player program at, in, in Barter in Abingdon, Virginia, Barter Theatre. Um, and so he, he works with the players um, when they first get there. We have like a, you know, whole day orientation about what acting is and what we're doing and what our, our purpose of doing this is. It's like going to grad school. It's amazing. Yeah. But we have this like one one hour lecture. And one of the first things that he really wants to like let new actors or even like old actors and remind them of this um, really wants them to know and I take this with me all the time is that what we do as actors is we really are allowing ourselves to live moment to moment in a fictitious set of parameters a fictitious world that is created that's really all that we are required to do um and you know bring all of ourselves to that but live moment to moment in this fictitious set of circumstances um which i believe is being like super authentic like, right yeah if i want to
0: embrace that world
1: yeah if if i am like they, it, it, it may not be authentic at all to emily grove like For me to walk into a room and to like demean someone and make them feel like shit and just like like Lady Macbeth on their butts, and
0: (laughs) definitely you. That's totally me.
1: Totally what I would do. Um, (laughs) But if in this world, if Emily Grove was like dropped into this world, maybe I would do that and really like grappling with like what happens if like the king is dead. My husband isn't doing anything about it. I have this need to be powerful. I don't have any children. Like, boom, 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 boom. But, like, all of these parameters show up. I'm like, oh, what would Emily do in these in this situation? And then this thing comes out of you. So it's, right. yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to be, like, how to be so authentically... Well, I guess this authentically, what does that even mean sometimes? But like how to be <laughs> like so, um, committed to finding the honesty in every moment. Um, yeah, because th- it's just, it's just kind of like you're in a new world. I don't know. I rambled. I don't know if that made any sense, but here I am.
0: <laughs> it it did. I think that's, that's sort of how I would interpret it. You know, I'm not a professional actor yeah. like you, but, uh, <laughs> or are
1: you, or are you? Uh, it's,
0: yeah. Well, it's like, it, we'll see we'll see what happens but are you uh, are
1: you gonna are you doing a play are you gonna be in a play
0: i i might have something that i want to do in the future but it's uh it's so hard to put together it's a big musical that i wrote years ago oh my god i didn't i did a college version of it but i've revised it dramatically oh and i'm god. really trying to stage it so yes. we'll see what happens
1: are you gonna be in it
0: i might be but i i, I might have to just step back but but it depends on when it happens okay so I, th- we'll see. I
1: think i need to see you in a musical That would <laughs> well be when amazing. i did it in
0: college the, the costume designer um put me in in tights so i was in like Duh. yoga pants sort of tights yeah
1: peter pan
0: it was it was actually very comfortable i didn't want to admit it
1: tights are nice they kind of keep everything <laughs> in place they make you look really good it's like spanx they're beautiful yeah
0: it was very slimming
1: <laughs> yeah ri- super skin tight <laughs> I love it. Uh, Oh, man, please send me pics.
0: I will. I will. Uh, So I also wanted to think or I wanted to think I wanted to think I also wanted to talk about this sort of stigma that I feel like some actors have on the other side of this authenticity coin Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, is this sort of fakeness of actors. Like, do do you feel like you ever get that? comment i mean it's more maybe like an la hollywood vibe
1: but it might it might
0: cross over to like this like a stereotype against actors
1: it does happen and i think that that in all honesty happens to a lot of people not just actors but i all i think it maybe comes out more in actors and i guess what we're talking about if i'm if i'm reading you right is like the the schmoozy people, the people who are like, oh my gosh, it's so great to see you. And they're like networking, but in a very like, you know that they don't care about you kind of way, that they're just right. talking to you. Right, it's a stepping stone. Yes, exactly. And I, I think that that can, can show up, yeah, everywhere. But because actors have to do this thing all the time, um, it can it it kind of like becomes a stereotype that gets attributed to us that like we're always like chasing the next thing and i think what it comes down to um is that uh sorry i just like literally caught myself in a thought that like emily you're saying um an awful lot the viewers at home are going to be like what is this person saying um so i'm going to forgive myself for saying um and i'm going to continue on uh, the I think what happens is that there's so few things that actors can really control. We can control how much text work we do in the audition room. We can like can control what we wear. We can control sometimes the piece of of text that we're working on. Um, sometimes mm-hmm. not. Um, but we can control like maybe like what makeup we put on or like what shoes we wear, how tall we can appear. But there are a lot of things like our physical appearance, the way our voice works, um, the the director's ex-wife. Like we can't control a lot of things, right? Um So I think a lot of people are trying to cling on to the things they can control and they think that that is, oh, if I network with people, if I am uh, friendly, if I put myself out there, then these are more things that can get me what I want when really it is if I take a step back, if I... Am allowing the process to happen if I am gracious and I just say hey if I don't get this job that's fine then more things will come to you because you're not like clutching it so tightly that's kind of like a Buddhist stance that I literally just took right now of like not holding on to things so much but yeah this like idea of like not detachment but just like a healthy level of like non-clinging
0: i'm with you i think um well particularly i think for every story you hear about like the sort of actor or actress that um that has that personality type where they just like are cutthroat and it's all fake no matter how nice they seem in interviews or whatever you're hearing um yeah there's hopefully like 10 more people you hear about that are like or you don't even hear about them, but occasionally you hear hear like a little whisper yeah, about them being like, oh, they're just really the sweetest person. They're like the nicest person. And it's kind of, and that's the thing that's not even highlighted.
1: Yeah. With celebrities for sure. You can see that a lot that like, oh, this person's a jerk. This person's an asshole. This person, this person. Um, Yeah. Christian Bale threw a fit again Um, or whatever. Um, (laughs) Yeah. That, that even that, Remark is dating me because I think that was like 10 years ago that Christian Bale threw a fit.
0: Yeah, you're very old um, for everyone who can't see you right now. Yeah, right. Yep. (laughs) I'll make your picture very old looking. Yeah, I
1: was gonna say, I love those pictures. Make me like (laughs) super cool. Like make me look like a hipster. I'm like smoking a cigarette, like a little bike. I don't know.
0: Wearing, um, I don't know. I'm gonna give you something really crazy to go with it. But I also have uh,
1: like a walker. Like so to let yeah. people know, like oh. I am an old lady.
0: <laughs> she's old. Yes, she's an old hipster.
1: I love it. Yeah, but you have you have all these celebrities who are just like going off the rails, and I think that that sometimes comes with, um, this this idea. I I mean I can't imagine because I'm not a celebrity, but I have a I have a hunch that like everything is ridiculous at the top. That like it's like not in a right. good way. Like things <laughs> are not what people thought they would be. And so when they're like, but I'm famous, I'm making movies, I'm, I'm making all this money, things should be different, I should feel better about myself. Yeah, I should. but I'm,
0: I'm lonely in a hotel room drinking a whole bottle of wine by myself.
1: Exactly. And it's like, I think that that just comes out kind of sideways sometimes where you have people mm-hmm. yelling at people or people being divas on set. And it's just like, okay, like okay so yeah I'm I, people ask me all the time when they hear I'm an actor like oh do you want to be in movies Oh, do you want to be on Broadway <laughs> like they ask me that all the time and I'm just like I'll do whatever but I'm super not interested in being famous I'm not interested in yeah even I feel like doing like Broadway plays would be like a little much for me I'd be like oh my gosh this is right. like way like everybody's on 10 um <laughs> but yeah anyway
0: but I think you're definitely one of those people that's like consistently working it seems like. I At feel least that's like my perception.
1: It. Yeah, this has since yeah, since we've met I've been pretty much consistently working um yeah, Virginia, South Carolina and then this is really my first like quote unquote dry spell dry dry spell dry spell um since Philadelphia cuz I was doing the the grind from like 2010 to 2012 just auditioning all the time in philly
0: well you were sort of new at the time too yeah yeah trying to build new up your town. experience
1: yeah and then um it kind of feels like i'm I'm back at that place again now where i'm just like auditioning all the time and seeing what happens right. but um yeah i just got an offer letter today to be in a play so i'm like awesome. excited so i'm <laughs> gonna be i'm gonna be doing a play in march so
0: that's yeah. great. Is so, this one you can talk about?
1: Um, I don't know. I guess it depends when the episode airs because we're talking in the past, but in the future. Um, <laughs> so, um, but yeah, we're doing. It's going to be a Shakespeare play um, here in in Dallas. It's *Midsummer Night's Dream*, um, and oh, it's an wonderful. all women cast. So, oh, cool. I'm excited. I think it's going to be so exciting.
0: Yeah, that's a great show.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's going to be diverse based on some of the people who were in the callbacks. Um so I'm I'm excited about that. Um I don't know that we have um anybody who's like trans or non-binary who is in the cast. Um at least from like my, you know, very official observation of human beings. Um yeah. but like not like not like that matters to me, but um yeah, but I'm excited about working with um, just a bunch of folks doing a play without any so, dudes. So yeah, it's,
0: I mean it's <laughs> it sounds like um, that's important to you. You've you sort of mentioned that that like the, the diversity in the cast is that something that you feel like? I mean, per, you can address it personally, but also do you feel like it's becoming more of a of a point for casting directors?
1: I I hope it is. Um, and I yeah, I was just having a, a conversation with my partner about this the other day that I think it's like it should almost be required. I mean, not like I want any kind of like requirement, affirmative action or anything for like how we do art because art should always be- um,
0: It's a tricky thing. Yeah, art
1: should always be subjective and should always be, um, even if it's like bad art, even if it's like art (laughs) that isn't aware of what it's saying, it's still saying something. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think like for me, as a director or as a theater artist, I'm always interested in um, just having more voices in the room, having more, um, and frankly, like smarter voices than mine in the room, especially when I'm directing um, and having um, voices that have, that I have no concept of, Uh, just another point of view that I wouldn't have even thought of. Of course. If I can have more of that in the room, then I'm going to do that. So I find it kind of silly or like kind of just uninteresting when someone does, like my partner's doing Our Town right now, um, and there's diversity in there. But I don't think Thornton Wilder was ever like, you know what we should do? We should have people of color and black folk and disabled folk and queer folk in the cast. Why not? Like he's not thinking... (laughs) like 1800s man is not thinking of that Um, but luckily we now have the ability to do that so there's a diverse cast that my partner Sam is working on our town with and I think that that's like such an amazing way to look at this like you know New Hampshire small town play and to Mm -hmm. really bring it like make it our town make it this is our town a, a representative, of yeah. everybody in it and to have those different voices and to have sounding boards and a bunch of different people giving their input into how these people work and how these people move so I think it's important um, and yeah like I said some people may not and like I may not think that their theater piece is really good um, you know or I may <laughs> think it's great who knows but I, I think that it's um, if you want to do good work you should have different voices in the room
0: well, and what's um, what's interesting about theater is that because it's always reinterpreted, it always has the ability to be reinterpreted. It has that sort of flexibility. So things can be timeless. Yeah. Even if they weren't necessarily thought of that way when they were written. Yeah. So I, I like what you're saying about that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thornton Wilder didn't sit down and be like, I shall now write a great play that people will do for hundreds <laughs> of years. He was just like, I'm a I'm a write a play. I think he wrote it like while he was on a train. Um, right. I don't know why I know this. I like studied that in college.
0: You know a lot about Thornton Wilder more than the average person. I do.
1: I'm a Thornton Wilder file. I can't. I don't even. (laughs) I'm done with myself.
0: I actually the the play that jumps out to mind, I think, is um, Have you ever seen the musical A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Forum? I
1: have. Once upon a time, I think I saw. There's there's a movie version, right?
0: Yes. Was it Zero Mostel?
1: Yes. And then my college, I think, did it the year before I came, so I watched some of a dress rehearsal.
0: I was in the production in my high school And I love the show And, and I um, I actually The Lord 2 musical that I wrote is is meant to be Sort of like a Not direct sequel but it's sort of tied to the to the line sure. So I, I did a lot of research And I went back and looked at, at how the writers um, Came up with the. A funny thing happened on the way to the yeah. forum And it, it's actually based on an even older show By a, a guy named uh, Platus oh. P-L-A-U-T-U-S If you're googling this and it's the original show is called pseudoutillus which is the character who's in a funny thing happened
1: on, oh on the
0: and I'm getting I have a point at the end of all this no
1: I love this
0: <laughs> so but pseudoutils the play it's amazing I went back and actually read the original play which was written at like you know zero yeah it was like AD Roman right like an actual right, right.
1: Roman play
0: yeah it's like right around like the the BC happening
1: I love it so like Jesus um, was around and they were like right What's everybody up?
0: It was all the cool people. Um, (laughs) They're all hanging out, Uh, but it's about a a Roman slave. So you would think, wow, this could be dated very easily. But it it was amazing. A, how funny it still was, and B, how how many things were still relevant. You're like, wow, this is awesome. A a little bit horrifying, but also like, it helps you connect to something from thousands of years ago.
1: Yeah, that's amazing. I love that. So
0: it it it's like. I can't imagine – I feel like we integrate a lot of pop culture into modern playwriting. Yeah. Um, Like I've I've read plays and and, um, I'm just trying to give an example of one that would jump out to most people. Maybe uh, like Book of Mormon or something.
1: For sure. There's like
0: a lot of pop culture references. Um, And and those are entertaining shows and I don't want to degrade a great show like Book of Mormon, but it's one of those ones that like how many of those really pop culture things are going to have like a a presence later on versus a play that like maybe – almost seems more generic, but in reality is more like, has at the core, something that's more relatable yeah, this, to more people.
1: this idea of like, and this is something I struggle with too sometimes, the, like, the more specific something gets, the, sometimes the more relatable it can get. I feel like there's like a, a sweet little graph that like the more specific it gets, the more a lot of people can relate to it, but then there's a point when it gets so specific that it just immediately alienates people. Yes. And so it's like, how do you find that sweet spot of like relatability? And I think it has a lot to do with like what is personal. If you write right. a play well, just that being is being real, yeah, that is oh, authentic. <laughs> Ooh, bring it back. back. <laughs> um, if we write a play that's like authentic and personal and true and like our real experiences magical things will happen. If we write a right. play where we're trying to put as many um fun little hip jokes and stuff into, then mm-hmm. nothing is real and then the audience is like I do not care. Um yeah, I saw this um yeah, this person did a an improv monoc- monologue. Um we had this thing called player projects. Okay. At the end of our first summer or any summer, at the end of the summer. Um, the summer's a pretty intense time when you're uh, at Barter Theatre, at Barter Theatre in uh, Abingdon, Virginia um it is a it's a pretty rough time because you're doing three plays over the course of the summer for the barter players you're also probably um doing something with the main stage plays like whether teching um like doing spotlight or running crew um and then you're also gearing up for the fall if you're a year-rounder so you're rehearsing other plays and then you're also just like understudying stuff and then you're also working on your player project but any case yeah, I say that's all a lot. of that <laughs> that's a lot it's of a lot of million things but then I say all that because at the end of the semester or in the that end of that summer um, you do the thing that is most scary you do the thing that is um, something you can't believe that you would be able to do by the end of the summer so it's not just like a talent show it is like <laughs> a, a fear show it is like a run okay. to the fear <laughs> moment and um, And so one of, one of my, uh, collaborators, one of my, um, peers did improv and it wasn't just like comedy improv. Like she did this monologue about like this mother talking to this child. And it was again, like super specific, but Mm -hmm. it like resonated with everyone in the room and like people are crying. And I was like, (laughs) so moved, um, and it was just, it, yeah, it was this amazingly very specific moment for her that mm-hmm. was able to, like, resonate with everyone. So I think, yeah, it's that thing. When you get super personal and real, everyone feels it in the room.
0: Right. Yeah, I've been um, – I think I might have mentioned this on a previous podcast, but I've, I've been doing um, these public storytelling events. Yes. Like story slams sort of. And it's uh, – it's a lot of fun but it really it connects to that where it's the people who really hit a chord are the ones that are just trying to come from a real place you know you can kind of write an outline you can have an idea what you're going to say that's that's fine Mm -hmm. but there are certain people that come up there and a they either read it like like they're just reading from a book and it tends to not really like resonate but if you just let it come out of you even if it's a little it's you know has flaws in it it just it feels better and the audience like connects to it they have more sympathy for you and whatever the experience is you know and it just it just hits with everybody and you're just you're sitting there like wow i didn't think i was going to get this like really intense emotional experience
1: yeah yeah and that like speaks so to our subconscious right it speaks so to you know this uh biological place in us when like, you know, you're uh, the hunter-gatherers or even before that, like monkeys and trees where we're like, you know, <laughs> listening to each other and we hear like these primal screams or we hear like we are really hearing each other because we need to hear each other for survival. Like I need to hear what so-and-so is saying or doing so that way I know how to be safe. Um, it's it, like if we feel people are being honest and being truthful, It's like right back here in this deep subconscious part of our brain that resonates with us. And when we feel that inauthenticity, when people are lying, you know, you you've I mean, you've watched a theater piece or even a movie or a TV show. where Mm you are just like, why am I checking out all the time? I'm checking out every five seconds. I'm like checking my phone. I'm thinking about what I'm going to make for dinner. Why am mm-hmm. I checking out? And it's maybe not your fault. I mean, it could be. It could be because you're like, you know, wanting to take a nap or or whatever. Um, but I think it also has a lot to do with, oh, maybe what's happening on st- on stage or on screen is just it's telling my brain, like, you don't need to check into this. This is not real. This is <laughs> like, yeah, because like this other person is not giving me that vital biological information that I need to survive. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's, def- it's one of those things. That's, it seems like it's becoming more popular and finding more of them popping up. And another one that's been popping up is uh, this thing called Mortified. It's on Netflix, I think. Oh, um, yeah. And it's like where you literally go up and, and read from journals, and, and you just, you're literally exposing who you were at a certain point in time. How – And it is just like everyone is hooked in that it's audience. It's
1: disgusting. It's uh, – <laughs> we, yeah, we're, we're writing – yeah, we write down in those moments, I guess, our such guttural – and like relatable things even if it's not like quote-unquote authentic because i remember writing in journals and being like i will be anne frank and someone will find this <laughs> i i don't know maybe that's just i'm a, I'm a weirdo but i was like someone will find my diary and my journal and they will write about it it's
0: gonna it. be a piece of history so
1: inspirational and no one <laughs> no one will read that crap but it's it yeah even in those moments of like inauthenticity it's so global because we're all going through those same like teenage angsty periods of like i just need to matter to someone please it's like yeah this this feeling of like i need i need to be who i am whoever that is um even if it's in this really gross uh, angsty way oh i don't know
0: what have you ever seen um oh man what is it there's the musical Dear Evan Hansen. Yes. Have you ever? I have yeah, heard the, the, of it, but
1: I have not seen it. I've listened you, to one song.
0: Yeah, I, I haven't seen it live, but I did see some um, performances of different songs from mm-hmm. it. And there's one song in particular where the the main actor and I, I can't remember his name off the top of my head. Uh, I think he was in that acapella movie. <laughs>
1: he sure was. He sure was. Uh, pitch Perfect. No. Nope, pitch Perfect. That's I can't. It. Thank you. I, but I do no, not know his right. name. I don't know his name but, at all.
0: Yes, but anyway, <laughs> that guy who you people listening can look up
1: we all know him
0: we all know him of course um so i don't even need to say his name yes so he plays evan hansen and he has this breakdown at the end of this one song and he like dig he said that that he is digs from this like real deep place every time and it's like snot pouring out of it, like disgusting but at Mm. the same time so emotional and real that it's it's hard not to be like moved by this moment like one of the you know how like when you have a breakdown we're just like it clears your sinuses like oh yeah that situation and and he has that on stage every night it's it's just insane he did that for a whole broadway run it's crazy
1: that's amazing yeah and and again it goes back to that like living truthfully in this fictitious set of circumstances and some some actors will will do you know uh, i guess a replacement things like they'll think of like their dead dog instead of like whatever is happening which is totally valid like you can do whatever you want into you in your head like no one's policing that um <laughs> but I I find that it's almost um yeah it's just much more it's more real it's more deep it's more um powerful when it can be about whatever it is in the moment and just like being open and vulnerable to that which is something right. i struggle with like in my day-to-day life like being open and vulnerable to like things that are happening i like but on the stage you can do it fine down on the stage i mean i could be better about it in all honestly my friend i could okay. be a lot better about finding this emotional vulnerability and allowing myself to, like, go to these places. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, another, like, hypocrisy about myself is, like, I am, I do a really good job of being, maybe not a really good job, who am I to say, but I, I think I do an okay job of, um, just expressing these emotions and like feelings of other people, but when it comes to like my own junk, I'm just like, nope, doesn't exist. <laughs> like shut that down. That I'm, you know, I I would much rather be, um, yeah, and live in these two places like super, super happy, up, um, excited Emily, or like shut down everything is like like turn off the lights i'm going to bed play. like it's it's like never really in between these two um which is which is interesting but yeah finding that middle ground i think in my life is going to open up a ton of possibility for me with like my characters that i play but and yeah right. like just like yeah. taking a a page out of their books that like hey these people can feel this way so maybe i can feel that way too i don't know um again rambling musings with me just cut. Wonderful. Just, you can just cut all this stuff out right
0: no no we, I'm just we'll gonna fix it post. I'm gonna make it go on longer I'm gonna double it perfect <laughs> and add more ums I'm gonna do, like take your worst um and just add it everywhere
1: perfect just in intersperse it all the yes.
0: time it's gonna be so authentic
1: um <laughs> perfect there's, there's, a, <laughs> there's a clip for you <laughs> uh,
0: Ben Platt is the actor by the way Uh, um, who plays Evan Hansen our dear friend he, Ben Platt yeah we know him so well yeah i met joseph gordon levitt once and so so i always like refer to him i'm like oh he's yeah my my good friend joseph gordon levitt so jealous i met
1: jeff goldblum once
0: Ooh, i feel like that's probably more interesting
1: (laughs) it was i was not more interesting it was at a an opening night party um the person i was dating at the time was in this play or he was an understudy for this play um, and Jeff Goldblum comes up to me and, and he starts like just asking me weird questions like, Hey, who are you here with? What's going on? What are you doing? I was like, are you hitting on me slash I need to go. <laughs> so I just like laughed. It was very awkward because I just wasn't I think... expecting to turn around and like there's Jeff Goldblum <laughs> chatting yeah. with me.
0: And he, he very much seems like a 20 questions. Like he's just, yeah. So yeah. Um, uh, yeah. You know what are you what are you doing? What's going on? What's what's this? What's like, you know? Oh,
1: what's your favorite color? What's the I'm like I don't know. I need to leave. I'm sorry. It was fun.
0: <laughs> Apparently, one of the things he does to a lot of people too is is he'll see someone and like they're excited to see him and to throw them off. He'll be like, "Oh, it's you! Oh, wow! I'm so I'm so excited to meet you. It's very nice to meet you." And he'll just come over and I start I love talking. it.
1: I love it. <laughs> just
0: cuts through all the other nonsense. Just
1: punking people left and right.
0: I love it. it. Yeah, very. Uh, Odd duck, but fascinating. <laughs> um, but there was something else you were saying that I want to tie back around to. Oh, are, do you feel like you're a little bit of a geek or nerd? Do you have like a geek no. inner core? Because you were on a a podcast about geeky things.
1: Oh, did you do you Google me some more?
0: I, I've done some research. You, yes. you
1: really have. I am so impressed.
0: <laughs> You're like, she's like, I don't even remember doing this. Uh, I, I,
1: did a, I did a podcast. Uh, yeah. What, my, what was,
0: could you talk about that? My
1: friend Evan and I did a podcast um, called The Lucky 10,000. Um, it was the second and then I kind of jumped in on the third season and I'll probably jump in on the fourth season. Um, cool. But. He. It was just about like space. Um. It. It, it was just about like. All. This I haven't kind listened of, to
0: episodes yet, but so it, it's about space.
1: It, yeah. Si-
0: like science of space, it's or just, just like it's random about things. Like
1: a whole bunch of random things. Like we talked about, like relativity and like what are supernovas and what is dark matter and do aliens exist? All these like weird things, like every episode (laughs) had just like a different theme and neither of us know anything about space. So perfect. So you're the experts, yeah, definitely.
0: It was so funny.
1: Yeah, Evan was like, what do you want to do about? And he was like, let's do something we both want to learn about. So we just like researched every week and like talked about stuff, which I thought was fun. Awesome. But I don't know that I would consider myself a geek. Like my my brain immediately went to um, Dungeons and Dragons, video <laughs> games, and uh, yeah, like Magic the Gathering. Okay. And none of which I I do, but I do like board games. I do like learning things. I do like go all, like I go to 10 when I do something. So like right. I'm going to like research it. I'm going to think about it. So, you are now an
0: expert on all this space stuff because you've done the research. I'm
1: pretty much, I have a PhD in science time. So, (laughs) I think. Which is the formal name. This is the formal name of the program I went to. Yeah, no, I I am, um, yeah, I just... I, I was really, asking that
0: question in particular because I guess the podcast was advertised as like geek-centric. Oh, yeah. And I was kind of trying to understand what the core, like, what core message that? was.
1: Yeah, I think it's mostly because my co-host, um, Evan Harris, who I love, is a super geek. So okay. he probably does all of the things. No, he doesn't do Dungeons & Dragons. He does do video games. I don't think he does Magic the Gathering, but... Geeky, geeky friend, um, and okay. I, I love him. Um, so he and but he also knows more pop culture than I do. So he would like say pop culture references, and I'd be like, I don't know what you're talking about, <laughs> <laughs> which is a shame.
0: <laughs> it's that's a funny, weird thing with th- uh, theater actors in particular. I feel like they actually don't know as much pop culture as you would think. Yeah, you, you I, like it's you true. feel like actors. Again, they get they get sort of lumped in as everyone wants to be famous, so they all want to mo- work in movies, which yeah. isn't necessarily the case. And uh, and in fact, a lot of them have like a very good literature background. I feel like, yeah. but not necessarily like pop culture. Yeah,
1: I did English lit in that was my my second major, or I guess maybe my first major. Who knows? Um, I had two <laughs> of them in uh, in college, English literature, and I love that. I love you know all that stuff, um, and. I feel like there's something else I was gonna say about you know <laughs> my life, but you know, oh yeah, about like, yeah, I don't know who Ben Platt is. Uh, I don't, rem- like, I can't identify actors from movies. I'm just like, oh, there's that girl who was in that thing. Um, right, and there, you wouldn't be
0: good to like play Qu- Quizzo with at a bar no
1: i don't think i would be Um, unless it's like
0: shakespearean themed or something
1: yeah i could probably like nail it on the shakespeare stuff my partner however (laughs) though is really good he's great at like sport all sports things um obviously harry potter stuff he and i crush (laughs) but him more than me um but yeah he is actually like pretty good at pop culture stuff which is surprising to me um but yeah, in any case, I guess it's it's to each to, to each their own. But I feel like actors sometimes are like doing their work and can't be like mm-hmm. let me go to the movies all the time. But
0: yes, yeah, I actually that's a big conflict because I feel like I'm trying to write all the time, right? Different mm-hmm. kinds of scripts, and I'm always trying to also like do research by watching things Correct. and like reading other scripts. Yeah, and you like you want to take some in, but the the people who really get to that like top tier tend to not actually watch a lot of other people's stuff.
1: Yeah, I think so too. You got to kind of stay in your own bubble. Yeah, trying to like keep your finger on the pulse of things while also do your own work can be difficult and can be Mm. this Mm -hmm. extra weight of like, oh, how do I do what they did? Um, how do I replicate that? How do I spin this in a different way? And it's like, sometimes you just have to do your own work and write your own thing. Um, it can be helpful. Like for me with acting, it can be helpful to like go to the movies and be like, oh, this is like someone not doing the real thing or, Ooh, this is someone doing the (laughs) real thing. Yeah. And just seeing those examples of like how that works, how that doesn't work, um, how people's habits show up in different ways. A lot of times, um, I you know actors will like exhale when they don't have anything else to do they'll be in a scene and all of a sudden they're like releasing all this energy um and it's like oh okay or you know just weird like physical habits if you see an actor do you pick
0: up on all this yeah
1: yeah you see an actor do something in two different roles you're like ooh, that's not a character choice that's an actor habit um and just really being able to figure out yeah and and we all have that right because we're all human we all have these Mm -hmm. ways that we're trying to hide ourselves
0: like cadences that you speak yeah Yeah,
1: these ways that we're like trying to not be vulnerable the ways that we're trying to protect ourselves because like we're soft-bodied people like (laughs) our our hearts are just right out there in a little rib cage so we're always trying to find safety and just ways to to keep ourselves safe so yeah it's it's a very cool thing to watch other actors work um, but also to like watch how like a script works like wow how does Aaron Sorkin like make this work in the West Wing and how does things work when he does To Kill a Mockingbird okay cool mm-hmm. yeah I think it's really really an awesome thing to be able to watch other people work but then also just like take that time for yourself have your own space to, like this is my work I'm gonna own it
0: I have two things to jump out I have a question that Popped out of my head from a playwriting class I was in. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back to, but with the the vulnerability. Oh, the, the actors sort of you you see people with different ticks, I guess. Like you said, <laughs> like you actor. What did what did you call it? An actor trait versus a character trait. Ha-
1: yeah, an actor habit or an actor choice versus like a, a a character choice versus like an actor habit.
0: Right, actor habit, character choice. That's a good distinction because I feel like there's certain actors who they just they landed the right roles at the right times, and so you you thought that they were a good actor yeah. and then after like three four or five roles you're like oh that's just them and someone happened to put a camera on them and they're not they're not terrible yeah but they're just they're not necessarily at, like diving into the role like yeah. you know dicaprio or someone who maybe gets more involved what's um <laughs> the guy who was uh, Abraham Lincoln. I can't believe him. Oh right my
1: gosh, Dan- Daniel, Daniel Dan- Day-Lewis. Lewis. Yes, thank you. Oh my gosh, I thought, I was like, is his first name Daniel? It might be, it is. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, I-, I think about like Daniel Radcliffe, honestly, was the first person that popped into mm. my head. Um, not that he's not a great actor now. I think he's a great actor now. But I think when he first started, like that first movie, um, because everything is Harry Potter, um, that first movie, like he is like they're just kids right they're just kids being 11 12 13 years old like in a wizard school like mm-hmm. well, you can just definitely get themselves.
0: that vibe in the first movie is just like these yeah. are kids that just happen to like the book at the time and they just yeah. like cast them and yeah. they're they're like and- we're playing wizards
1: we're wizards, here we yeah. are. And it and it works in that first movie because you're just like they're just playing kids. It's believable. Okay, cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I think there's some like learning curve that I think maybe everybody goes through with that. They're just like, Oh, they're like figuring out how acting works and they're around mm-hmm. like great people like Michael Gambon and, and um, you know, uh freaking Professor McGonagall right. whose real name yeah. and Alan Rickman. Yeah. So they're around all these people. Um, who are amazing, and then I I think that they learn along the way. Especially, I think Daniel Radcliffe learns how to do his thing his own way,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and and that's why I think he's able to. And I'm glad he did like weird films after Harry Potter, um, to kind of just like shake that off and then like right. he could do the equus thing and then off off to the races um <laughs> but yeah I, that's that's a great point that like some folks just like have a habit or have a thing that they do that is really just them seeking safety because they're just like ooh, this is my thing this is my shtick i can do that this will keep me safe
0: mm-hmm. and
1: it works for some roles and then other roles that like super does not and super apparent so
0: yeah it's a little awkward and the other the other thing that I, w- I wanted to jump back to though mm-hmm. before I forget. So I had uh you were you were talking about trying to be vulnerable.
1: Yeah.
0: And um and how difficult that actually is, yeah. especially with people you're closest with. Yeah. And I had a, a playwriting teacher um Kyle Bass uh, who's a playwright himself um based out of Syracuse when I was there. And he we had this this exercise basically where we went um we went out to different places near the, the the theater that we were uh, taking classes in yeah, and he, he kind of had us just sit and observe from a distance, just over here and kind of t- take notes when you're we overhearing, you know, we're not going to publish someone's personal conversation, but just like take it in, absorb what they're talking about and uh, make sure you take note of like the relationships. And we came back and we're talking about the relationships and we realized as we're talking that the people who were the, the most distant strangers were divulging the deepest darkest secrets to each other oh. and the people who are like you know in f- like friends or in relationships tend to actually like hold back the most wow. because you, there's a, there's and he said the big reason is because there's the most at stake and so it was really helpful to understand as a writing as a writer that like those relationships the reason people hold back is because like they feel like they don't want to lose the thing that they have that if you're talking nice. to some stranger you know it doesn't necessarily there's not as much at, at, at risk if that person doesn't like you because you just told them about something really intense that you know they, they weren't interested in hearing maybe. Um, yeah. but it is kind of a fascinating study. Like like I understand the logic of it, but you wanna you want to step back and be like, can I be the other person all the time? Can I be the person who says everything all yeah. the time?
1: How do I and- yeah, how do I find that place of like maybe there isn't so much maybe I don't have so much skin in the game. Maybe I don't mm-hmm. maybe it's not um, maybe it's more important for this relationship if I treat it as less important.
0: Yeah, which is a weird thing.
1: Yeah, how how Deep. interesting and how difficult.
0: <laughs> and I, f- I feel like that's actually, that's been my exercise through my writing and, yeah. and particularly the storytelling that I've been doing lately. And then this podcast is kind of like, hey, everybody, this is me. You know, I'm talking to different people on different topics, so inherently yeah. different things are going to come out. Yeah. And be like, oh, maybe they didn't want to hear that, but that's that's me. And, and yeah. if anybody's listening, it that's this is the real me. I'm trying to not put anything between uh, me and the people that I care about, and I feel like that it's hard to do. It's a, it's so hard to just the crazy part is like you're not doing anything. It, like the, it's the opposite of doing it. <laughs> like you're what you're doing is is just trying to not have any extra steps between, um, <laughs> like your thought process. You know, like people yeah. who. I'm going to sound bad for saying this, but, like, there are moments, I guess, in, in reality where mm-hmm. you should overthink things and you should think about it for a minute. Like, if you're buying a car or a house or going to have kids. Like True. Getting married. Like, there's there's these big moments where, sure, yes, have a moment, think about it. It makes sense to, to have reasons to want to have thought process and, like, wait before you respond to something. Yeah. But if you can try to just let that, that uh, well, I don't even know what to call it. There's just, like, a little wall there. There's something that, like, prevents you. Yeah. From just letting the floodgates, you know, come down and just like letting this thing that's on your brain f- just come out sometimes. Yeah. But maybe it would be good just to have it come out. And then it's out in the open and you feel like you can there's, – there's just something beautiful about the more honest you are, I actually feel like it It takes all that the, – the the risk that we were talking about and all these things that you feel like are high stakes, it takes it off the table because everything's everything's out in the open. Yeah. Like what – what can you hurt me with? It's kind of like the the Eight Mile, right? Everyone knows Eminem Eight Mile. Um, and you better. Um, you look like yes, you look like you you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, but he has that that uh, the whole premise of that is that like he twists the end of, uh, and I'm sure there's other examples. This is the first one that popped in my head. I love it. But this. he he sort of twists the end where everyone has has these raps making fun of him, and so instead he t- attacks himself at the final like battle yes. before they have a chance to and in doing that he gives him nothing to talk about yeah. and just completely shuts him down and wins and I feel like that's actually a, a pretty good example like you by being the more honest you can be as a person I feel like you're giving people yeah. l- actually less openings to attack you
1: yeah and that that requires a lot of self reflection and self introspection of like okay well what am I what am I what do I believe? What do I think? Mm-hmm. What do I actually want to be honest about? Uh, because, you know, like if Eminem, as our exemplar in this in this analogy, if Eminem couldn't like look down and like see himself as other people see him, then he wouldn't have any ammunition, right? He would only mm-hmm. say like, I'm the baddest, I'm awesome. I rock and roll, you suck. Right. You know what I mean? Um, because I'm a rapper as well on the side. I didn't want to tell anyone, but it's it's out of the bag now. Um, but that, but he was able to like take this hard look at himself, see himself as other people saw him um, or how other people may see him and go ahead and like state some hard truths about himself.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And that's where that honesty comes from. So that's so so intriguing to me that like this, maybe the cost of authenticity, the cost maybe is not the right word, but the, uh, well, we'll go with cost for now.
0: I actually like that, yeah.
1: Is to like have to do this, the hard work of looking at ourselves and knowing ourselves as true as we can, because we're always mm-hmm. unknowable, but how, yeah, how we can look at this being that is us, as, as as diligently as we can, and try to figure out well, who are we and what do we stand for. Wow, that's serious, dude. <laughs> thank you, thank you, Eminem for thank you giving thank you, us Eight Mile. <laughs> um, all
0: right, so I'm I'm gonna I have a, a question, another question. I just want to go back to so okay. Do you, do you have a moment where this is sort of similar to the two hypocrisy sort of Ooh. give you a minute to kind of dive into it a little bit more though. Do you have a moment maybe further back in your life where you remember the, like the first time you felt like you were being yourself as much as you could be, that you were like aware of being like I'm showing someone a side of me that maybe I was hiding before and now I'm like this is me I like, uh, and you're so happy about it.
1: I, I- – Thought you were going to ask this question Because (laughs) I've listened to some of your other podcasts And when I say Uh, some I mean I think all of them And (laughs) I uh, I was like really hoping You wouldn't ask this question Because I'm not sure (laughs) that I have an answer But I will try So the first time That I felt like I was being Truly authentic And like what kind of shift that was Or where that happened Um Man, I was in a rehearsal this one time and my director was like, you said that line the same way as you said it last time. Like we went back and we redid a section. Said you same. You said that line the same way you said it last time. Um, so that's telling me that there's like something like you're you're you've chosen how to say this line instead of letting the character do it. So yeah. we're going to need to go back and do it again. So we went back and did it again. And he was like, "No, you said it the same way. We're going to have to go back and redo it." So we kept going back. Um and I was just like, "Fuck this guy." Uh <laughs> fuck everything like I like oh all oh he wants me to do a bad job because in my mind like I was doing a good job like I had I knew exactly how this line was supposed to come out I knew exactly how this moment was supposed to play and he's asking me to not do a good job he's asking me to like not have done my homework fuck this guy so I just like didn't care and just like said the line however and he was like okay cool now we're finally getting somewhere and I broke down crying (laughs) I just started weeping I was so confused I was just like it like broke down everything inside me but really that moment of like oh like I can either plan every moment of my life I can because I'll catch myself even doing that sometimes now. I'm going to have a conversation. I know that someone is going to walk in and I'm going to have a conversation with them. So I want to like say something funny or like whatever, even like the first line of like, hey, how was your weekend? Because I knew that they had a hard weekend or something. And I'm, mm-hmm. and I catch myself having to be like, no, we're not going to plan that. Just let it go. Because at the end of the day, it, at least for me, it doesn't matter what other people think as long as you like, I don't care what other people think about me or I, I strive to not care about what other people think about me um, so that I can care deeply about other people. Because to me, that's like all bound up in the same thing of authenticity is if I don't care about what other people think, that gives me the room and the space and the freedom to be myself, which is at the end of the day, wanting to take care of and be present and be a real human for the other people around me and in my life. Right. So yeah, I I think think that's good. Yeah. That That ties
0: back to sort of what I was saying, right? Yeah. Like about just trying to, to, to bring down the wall, whatever, whatever, you know, Get an analogy you want to ways. give where you're just like trying to yeah get out of your own way that's another good one
1: yeah just and allow just try to be yourself allow myself to be like okay cool this is who i am this is what i feel this is what i think and i'm gonna bring that to the table and sometimes you have to like feel and think a certain way and it's not an appropriate time to bring it to the table um you know so you have to like you know, being like, you know, different parameters and saying like, okay, well I'm at a funeral so I can't pitch a fit right now or, you know, whatever. <laughs> yeah. um, but the way to be like, okay, cool, I do feel like throwing a fit right now. How do I deal with that? Okay, cool, this is what I can do. Now I can continue to be at this funeral. I don't know why I came up with funeral, but I did.
0: <laughs> yes, you just, you just tried to, I, I was trying to bring it back up and you just brought it right back down. Back just like, to funeral.
1: death at all times. <laughs>
0: um so on the note of death um i have no idea what your what your charity is so maybe for the next segment what what do you want to talk about for a charity slash donations donation directions directions on where and how to donate your donations
1: i love that song all right cool well You sang a little song about donations and (laughs) my charity is actually S-O-N-G or SONG or Southerners on New Ground, which is um, a a charity, my sibling, it does a lot of work with them in Nashville and they are um, near and dear to my heart. Um, But basically, um, SONG is a group of, uh, it's a queer liberation organization. Um, It's based in the South. Um, and it is made up of black folks, immigrants, people of color, um, peoples with disabilities, uh, LGBTQ folk, people across classes. And they're basically um, using Southern traditions of storytelling, music, community organizing, um, all, all of these awesome Southern tools um, of really uh, finding liberation for everybody. Um, so it is a great a great group of folk and I would highly suggest checking their website out, which is southernersonnewground.org.
0: Thank you. We will include that link (gasps) uh, on the podcast uh, with this post. And I I have, um, I'm going to come back around and I have one more question. Oh, I can't wait. This is where, where I put the, um, pass the, the torch to you on what, what advice you would give on, um, sort of how you can be more aware of being authentic yeah. or have a more authentic life. How can you live, what, what would you recommend to people for how they can live a more authentic life? Yeah,
1: this means we're at the end of the podcast. I'm so sad.
0: Unfortunately, yes. Oh,
1: what a tear. <laughs> um, yeah, I would say, I thought about this one too. I would say the, the biggest thing um, would be to maybe resist living other people's lives for them um i know that that kind of has nothing to do with what we talked about this whole time or maybe it has everything to do i'm not sure
0: i think it has more to do with than you're giving credit
1: possibly um but <laughs> i i feel like and maybe that's also has something to do with like resist like making your own life be something as well like resist making choices for yourself that maybe have no bearing um on what's happening in the moment being able to be present moment to moment which is horribly more difficult than it than it uh is to say um it's harder to do um but yeah I know that you know everybody else is like living their best life making their best choices doing the best that they can and if you are trying to make choices for them or live their lives um it's just not going to work out well it is it is a, a difficult thing but yeah if we can um Allow other people to like live their lives and make their choices, and allow us to make our lives and make our choices from a real place. Then I think everybody is going to be so much better off.
0: I'm with you. That's wonderful words to end on by Emily Grove. Grove. Gro-
1: Thank you. Right. Correct pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> Grove. No, it's not.
0: It's, it's not Grove for right. anyone <laughs> <laughs> searching for Emily Grove. Um, Thank you so much for being my guest. It's been wonderful having you on.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: And um, I also uh, want to say a few more things, some new things I'm adding at the end here. Now that things are up and running, um, I want to let everybody know that I, I want to thank the listeners, obviously. And to, um, if you want to follow, you can follow right now on Facebook slash 2HipPodcast, uh, Twitter at 2 Podcast. And you can also follow um, the, the page if you're on Tumblr. Um, if you're signed in on the twohippodcast.com, you'll see a little thing that pops up and you can follow. All those things are up and running. And I am aware uh, that there are other places to put podcasts. And I'm working on all that. And I'll give you updates as soon as that happens. Uh, in the meantime, if you have like an RSS aggregator, you can either use the URL twohipodcast.com/ slash RSS or twohipodcastcom slash podcast and I believe those will work. Uh, It's like a Tumblr feature. So one final thing, if you have comments, feedback, guest recommendations, questions, um, segment or topic recommendations, please send a message to the 2HIP podcast um, through the contact page on the website. So I think that is everything. This has been the 2HIP podcast.